Welcome back to the Fraser Rice Podcast. The public is fascinated with shows like Billions and movies like Wall Street, Trading Places, and The Big Short. Proving that real life can be as interesting as fiction, a new documentary has emerged about one of the most controversial short trades in history. Betting on Zero explores the dynamics of hedge fund manager Bill Ackman's bet against Herbalife. Today, we get to speak with John Fickthorn, one of the executive producers of Betting on Zero. Besides producing the documentary, John has unique insight into the world of hedge funds and high finance. He co-founded Dialectic Capital Management in 2003 and serves as its portfolio manager. Welcome aboard, John. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bill Ackman is a huge figure in the shadowy world of hedge funds, and his flirtation with Herbalife has become the stuff of legends. How did you become interested in the man and this particular trade? You know, I've been following the industry for a while, and it got to the point back in 2011 that that the industry seemed to be just growing at a frenetic pace, frankly, due to the fact that the MLM industry had had conscripted the FTC and had done away with all the rules and regulations, which, which was sad and disappointing as a citizen. And we were trying to figure out what we could do to kind of curb the growth of, of this industry that we thought was really harming people. And uh, we started making a movie actually about a totally different company altogether called Newskin, and went down that path for about a year and a half with the former director who did Hot Dog the movie. And, you know, you can imagine that that outcome was probably a little different than Ted Braun, who done Darfur now. And so I, I pulled the plug after about a year because it, it seemed to not be going well. And knowing that I was a rookie in the movie industry, I was very careful to not kind of live up to the horror stories that I'd heard before. So we actually brought in Ted Braun and got introduced to him through a friend of a friend and told him what we were trying to accomplish. And actually, he was the one who said, you know, look, I don't want to make an informational documentary. I want to make a documentary that follows people to a conclusion. I need a fight. What is a fight that's going on in this industry? And it just so happened that Bill Ackman had only recently launched his campaign. And I said, well, you know, there's a fight between Bill Ackman and Herbalife. And, you know, maybe maybe that would work. And so actually, Ted, it was his idea. He wanted a fight. He wanted a fight that would culminate within 12 months because that was our budget for the movie. And we were only off by two years. And even then we were early, but it was really Ted's uh, choice to pick Bill and Herbalife. And it was, it was a fascinating thing to watch. So when you were sort of tooling around looking for movie projects, and as a quick aside, Hot Dog the Movie stands as one of my favorites. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sad in one respect, but I understand the direction you went in. Uh, I mean, you're, you're a portfolio manager, and how did you get interested in producing documentaries? Uh, you know, it was actually, uh, we were kind of talking about charitable donations back in 2011 and, you know, good causes to direct money towards. And a guy in my office said, you know, wouldn't it be great if you could actually affect the outcome for the millions of people a year that are getting churned through this industry? Why don't you make your charitable donation making a documentary? We tried to make a number of small like webisode type movies and the industry would get them deleted within 48 hours. And it was really mind blowing how you couldn't get the word into the public domain without them making it disappear here. And so I wasn't really looking for topics or even to make a documentary. It was somebody's idea. And I said, you know what, that's a good idea. Let's, uh, let's see if we can make that happen. And, and that just took us down the path uh, over the last six years to where we are today. And so Bill Ackman is uh, obviously a big figure and uh, sort of the multi-level marketing strategy for different companies that employ that is controversial, to say the least. Why was it important to produce a documentary on this subject? 
it's very confusing when you look at this topic uh, from Wall Street's perspective versus kind of at the human level and even at the business level. It's very difficult to even figure out. We'd been to a number of nutrition clubs and they didn't make sense from us economically. And how can you have a business, the multi-billion dollar market cap, where the underlying businesses don't seem to be economic? And it seemed to be a story that was told one way to Wall Street and a totally different way to the people who were in the industry. Uh, and as I said, it was just one of those stories that was harming people. But frankly, I, I, I like to say robbing poor people is very profitable. And so when Wall Street looks at it, they're like, oh, especially the computers. And more often than not, you don't get the Carl icons of the world buying these types of stocks. It came in for a different reason. More often than not, you get the quants and the computers and the indices buying these stocks that don't have kind of the brain to look at it and go, something doesn't pass the smell test here. You know, Wall Street looks at it and the quants look at it as, hey, it's, you know, 10 times free cash flow, which is what it was at the time. Now it's more like 18. And so they just buy the stock. Uh, and, and there seemed to be no way to, to stop it. Uh, and they were just getting increasingly powerful. So we wanted to have the story out there to, frankly, go at the industry from the bottom, from the grassroots level. I wanted something that couldn't be deleted. And Ted Braun was the one who made the movie. But the goal was to get something that would be disseminated worldwide that would just inform people when they watched it. You know, everybody has the brother-in-law or the sister-in-law or the Facebook friend that somehow is in a multi-level marketing scheme and is pitching them to come to their house to look at jewelry or oils or scents or whatever it might be. You know, the makeup is the big one today. Uh, and they're always like, something just doesn't, I mean, I know this person's my friend and they're saying I'm going to get rich, but something doesn't seem right. Too easy. It's too easy, right? And, and, and something doesn't work. And it's because the data isn't actually presented to the people in that room. And so the goal was to have people, give people the, the ability to see the way one works for real and to ask those questions like, is this the same as Herbalife? And they, they all are, effectively, in my opinion. So when you, when you engaged Ted Braun in this and you educated him not only about the, the fight but the underlying principles behind the two sides of the fight in some ways, did you give him free reign to go? How involved did you stay yeah, in you the know, development? Ted was, Ted was very skeptical uh, about working with someone who has a reputation as a short seller like myself, even though we do buy stocks and companies as well. And so, you know, he's like, he almost didn't want to do it. And I said, look, Ted, here's our research. Go make a movie that says how wonderful it is. I challenge you, right? Just make a movie about the truth. And let's see what comes out. And you have final cut. Good luck. I trust you as a person. And uh, so he said that was fair. And he, he was happy to take that challenge. And you can see the movie he came up with. And it's his movie. We did help him with research. And we did help him find contacts and find people in the industry that he thought he could talk to. And, you know, the, the sad thing was, uh, Ted really wanted to make a movie about both sides. And I said, I thought that would be fascinating. I actually had a number of very powerful hedge fund manager friends who, who owned Herbalife stock when we embarked on this. Uh, effort. And I actually called them as well and said, hey, guys, you know, I'm actually making this movie. Would you be willing to tell the long case? Because I, I frankly can't figure it out. I think it's a scam. One of the things that you touched on there, the, the film and one of the things I think that makes it compelling beyond just being a documentary that's informational is it, it, it comes down to two strong-minded characters. You have Michael Johnson, who's the CEO of Herbalife, who believes in the promise and growth of Herbalife. And you have Bill Ackman, who makes a substantial bet that the company is going to completely collapse and fail. Through your prism, and you, you, you obviously come on one side of it versus the other, but how can there be such a divergence of opinion as to whether something is a thriving business or a complete failure? 
you know, that's what makes it such an interesting story, right? And I think that's a great question. Herbalife likes to say, you know, $5 billion New York listed company, been around for 35 years. And it is a thriving business for the shareholders, for the very top of that pyramid. It is, as I said, it's really profitable to rob poor people. And there are a lot of poor people out there. And whether it's by finding new countries or whether it's by pumping new products through the country, or even some of the things that didn't ultimately get into the movie about things like money laundering and drug dealing that have been kind of alluded to on the internet about a lot of these businesses. Uh, there are a lot of ways for these guys to make money through this pyramid scheme. The, the argument Bill makes in the, has made since he began his campaign and, and the argument that uh, I look at when I look at betting against companies oftentimes is there, there's a very high churn rate. 50 to 80% of the people that come into this business every year drop out broke effectively. And eventually, you churn through the universe, right? You're, and the, the reason these pitches are deceitful is because uh, the pitch is an honest pitch from the first guy to the next layer of the pyramid. It's a less honest pitch from the second guys to the third guys. If each guy has to recruit five people, by the time you've reached the 13th level of five people, each recruiting five people, you've exhausted the population of planet Earth. And today, by any measure, Herbalife's probably on level nine or 10. They've burned through a tremendous number of people. And China was the last great land where it was illegal, and then it became legalized kind of not fully, when they got into the WTO, and it opened that population up. And once that one's done, I would argue that this goose is cooked. But it, up until then, we've had a 35-year run, and it's been a good one. Mm, uh, yeah, a good for, one for, for some people, not for yeah, others. exactly. So one of the things that I saw in the documentary that, uh, you know, and I'm in the financial services industry too, uh, in, the, in, the, in our world of regulations and compliance and red tape snarls and all that, I was stunned that both Johnson and Ackman provided as much access as they did. Uh, how did you get these two guys to, to, to be a part of it? By the way, I had nothing to do with getting Bill Ackman to be part of it. Uh, Ted went into his office and gave him a pitch. And frankly, Bill's entire office said, don't do it. Uh, his corporate counsel said, don't do it. And Bill said, no, I'm going to do it. And so Bill was very generous with his time to, to Ted and the crew. Michael Johnson, on the other hand, and as I said, the goal was to produce actually a fully balanced movie. I felt like this was, you know, all these questions, the stocks still at its highs and the things that are around for 35 years. There's clearly got to be a bull case that these guys should want to stand behind and defend their business. And yet Ted spent uh, really up until the closing of the movie, so years, reaching out to Michael Johnson and the company going to the company, talking with Michael for hours on end uh, and other people inside of Herbalife saying, look, I swear to God, the guy behind this has no position in Herbalife, which was true. I wasn't willing to release my name to them, but I was willing to take a third-party affidavit that I had no position in the stock. And they uh, ultimately refused. All they wanted was my name. I felt like all they wanted to do was sue me to keep the movie from coming out. Uh, and so the reason you think Michael Johnson gave great access is due to the magic of filmmaking and Ted's great ability to capture so much uh, footage from the public domain because there is so much out there that Herbalife has put out there that it, it really felt like Michael Johnson was in the movie. And those are all his words, so it's not like we manufactured them, but that was really just 
just the skill of the movie maker. Interesting. One of the key subplots is the emergence of Carl Icahn, uh, another famous financier who emerges in the process and seems to relish not only in profiting from the other side of the Ackman trade, but in embarrassing him as well. How much of that really goes on in finance? And and when do the investments become emotional and personal? You know, uh, I think a 10-year bull market leads to that kind of crazy confidence, excess confidence that Carl has displayed in this. You know, a lot of people hate Bill Ackman. That's just a fact, and it doesn't take a lot of research to come up with that. I've gotten to know Bill a little bit since the movie closed. I finally introduced myself to him at the premiere, and that was the first time I'd ever shaken his hand. And I think he's a, a fine gentleman, but Carl and others uh, have, for investment reasons or whatever, personal reasons to not like him. And when Bill came out publicly against this and put himself in somewhat of a risky position by taking such a large position, it really started with Dan Loeb at third point, and it is kind of a highlighted uh, vendetta between Loeb and, and Ackman as well. And so Dan came out and took a 10% position with the stock at its lows, and you know, it's always been my supposition that somehow, you know, Dan uh, had some other friends in L.A. and there were links to Carl and somehow they dragged Carl into this uh, at a higher level. I mean, when Carl first got into the stock, he got on CNBC and he used the wrong ticker. He said, I really like HALF, which is the wrong ticker. And to buy a 10 percent position in a company where you don't know the ticker seems totally preposterous. There's also a, a distant link uh, between Michael Johnson and Carl Icahn. Uh, from what I understand, they've been friends since he was at his Disney days, and there are links between some of the Spanish broadcasters and Carl and Michael, and Michael had asked Carl even for advice about whether to take the job at Herbalife. So there's a, a historical relationship that they have as well. So it might just be as much as he wanted to support uh, Michael as he wanted to go after uh, Bill. But but I think Carl is in way over his uh, ski tips at this point, and there's been some clear evidence of that where he was clearly trying to sell his entire position and and which is maybe the craziest thing I've ever seen in Wall Street. Like all of a sudden, Carl Icahn's trying to behind the scenes sell an 18% position in the company. Huh. He backs away from it. And I know for a fact that he was trying to do it. We saw the flow. And then all of a sudden, Bill comes out and displays his kind of uh, lack of hubris and comes out and says, oh, Carl's done. You know, he's trying to sell his position. I was going to buy it. I decided not to. Stock gets killed. Carl turns around and not only doesn't sell his whole position, but buys more and then comes out and says, I never meant to do that. I was always. And so now he's in even deeper for something that he clearly at, at least one point last August uh, intended to sell, which is just really, really mind blowing. Well, it's crazy for people who aren't in the industries who don't make the distinction between a casino bet and, and an investment in a business. And it seems like this has really gravitated toward the latter. Yeah, well, I mean, Carl owns 25% of this thing now. I don't think he could get out if he wanted to. His Maybe his only option is to take it private and cross his fingers. Right. You know, the fascinating part, though, is that we've now reached an inflection as of May 5th, where the FTC rules are going to really start to change Herbalife's business. And so we're going to find out this year whether this stock is real or zero. Right. And how much they're able to kind of bury the reality of the distribution part of the business. Because the FTC basically came out and said you know what? It's totally fine for you to sell shakes. Sell as many shakes as you want. We could never ban you from selling shakes. It is not fine for you to recruit people. 
as your business model to sell shakes. And so the the FTC ruling that's coming out or their change in rules, that's obviously going to be a seismic event. Michael Johnson has also since left Herbalife, I believe, since the movie came out. Is that Do I have the timeline right there? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, for whatever reason, Michael Johnson abandoned ship. And I think, you know, he's speaking a lot with his feet. You know, I like to think that Michael's kind of in a a golden prison cell at this point, uh, that he's kind of stuck in this thing and, and can't really get out. I mean, he's already said publicly that he has to pay a million dollars a year to hire bodyguards to protect his family. He tried to accuse Bill Ackman of being the guy that was actually going after him, which I thought was ridiculous. You may say what you want about Bill Ackman, but he's not hiring hitmen to tail your family. And so you wonder what's really going on behind the scenes there. I don't, I don't pretend to know, but I, I I feel like there's something more than, than we're all hearing about. So the one thing I think the documentary does nicely is the fact that it tells the story of the different types of employees and the customers and the investors. As you were putting it together and as Ted was putting it together, how did you go about sort of thinking about that in terms of conveying that broader viewpoint? You know, it was my goal to not just tell the Wall Street story. And it was to tell the story about what happens to people. And there were just so many different angles you could go down because it's churned through so many people. They have burned so many different lives in their quest for profits. So it was hard, though, because the Carl Icahn, Bill Ackman story, which pops up in the middle of telling the story, was so fascinating. And so you had to put that in. And you could, probably could have made a whole movie on that uh, alone. But the point of this was to try and inform people what the pattern is that happens when you join a pyramid scheme. They ask you for some money, then they ask you for more money, you're not making money, and at some point you reach a fork in the road, and this happens with all of them. And that fork in the road is, I'm either gonna keep flushing money into this and lose it all, so I need to quit, or I need to go the other way, and I need to convince somebody else to lose money so that I can make money. And everybody hits that fork in every pyramid scheme, and you see it over and over again, and I really wanted to tell that story uh, and show it on film and kind of try and appeal to a people's emotions. And I think Ted nailed it. The film has had a great reception at Southampton and the Tribeca Film Festivals, and it's it's now on Netflix. That's where I saw it. Uh, what's the plan for the documentary now? Uh, you know, we're just going to let it ride it out on Netflix. We'll We'll see if we get into any of the award nominations. You know, that would be a serious long shot and not something we're counting on. But, you know, since it's been on Netflix in June, it's been fascinating the responses that we're getting from all over the world with people saying, we got a letter from a lady in Czechoslovakia the other day saying, thank you so much for making this movie. It's been amazing to uh, finally be able to tell this story to my friends and help them understand what these pyramid schemes can do for them. You know, you're really saving lives. And I'd never really thought I would see that from some anonymous person in Czechoslovakia, it was really meaningful. So, so that's, you know, Biltmore Films, which is a film company I started with Burt Kuntz to do this. Originally, it was called A New Septus, but uh, we changed it to Biltmore, is, is looking at other opportunities. We're thinking about doing kind of a 30 for 30 for business. We've done some work with Ted on doing a film about the opiate problem from a corporate level in America. And so, We've even considered doing more of a, a real-time kind of feature or reality show about MLM. So there are a couple of different opportunities. We're not necessarily going to do anything additional with betting on zero other than, than hope it continues to spread the word. Right. No, I was going to say that uh, I've had some minimal experience in the movie-making area and produced a low-budget horror movie with a friend, and it's it's not for sissies. <laughs> it's tough stuff. No. 
No, no, it is not. I, I really struggled to understand and worked very hard to try and understand the economics of making a documentary. And uh, there's a reason that it's very hard to figure out, and it's because there aren't any. Uh, so it's, right. No, it's, a, it, it's know, a passion project, to be sure. It is. It is. I'm glad I thought of it as a charitable contribution before I even began the process. Excellent. So what's the best way for people to see Betting on Zero? Well, I would prefer that anybody watch it on iTunes or Amazon or Google because that way I still get a piece of the $1 that you spent to download it off of iTunes. Uh, but certainly Netflix is is where it's being watched the most now. And so uh, anybody can, can stream it or download it there. And, and, you know, I just want people to spread the word because I just want the film to have as far a reach and touch as many people and inform as many people as possible. Excellent. John, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Fraser. Enjoyed it. You've been listening to John Fickthorn, Portfolio Manager for Dialectic Capital Management and Executive Producer of Betting on Zero. Please check back with the Fraser Rice Podcast as we have new programs coming on shortly. Thanks again and have a great day.